Dady Lady, the book club of love. Welcome to Dady Ladies. Hi, Vera Elizabeth. Hi, Barbara Ann. I have one twin sight, which is that in the last episode, I, in the same in the same act, I said that I valued myself and also I struggle with valuing myself. Did I say that in the last one? I think so. A contradiction? Yeah. And I just want to um, point out that both those things are true. That's just the way it is and how people is. And that's what I had to say. How about you? Do you have any twin sights? I think two twin sights ago, I just off the top of my head, I was talking about what you need to do to become an astronaut. You know, and I gave what I thought maybe were the correct steps. And then uh, I just happened upon an article on the internet, and it's about how Netflix is going to be making a movie about farm worker turned astronaut, Jose Hernandez. And, um, you know, we're still in the first couple of weeks. I guess this is almost the third week of January. People are still trying to get their goals going. So I thought I would give the steps to become an astronaut. Are you interested in that? I am, yes. Let's hear. When he was 10, Jose told his dad he wanted to be an astronaut. So his father laid out a five-part recipe for success. First, set a goal. Then recognize how far away you are from that goal. Here's a quote. The third thing is that you have to draw yourself a roadmap to know where you're at and where you want to go, Hernandez added. And then I asked, what's the fourth? And he said, you've got to get an education. And then the fifth one is uh, you have to learn how to hold your breath because there's no air in space. I want to apologize because uh, you had so many good one-liners for this book, and I ignored all of them. I don't know how, but there is holding your breath in space. There's the hot air balloon. You are, you are being very generous right now. <laughs> and there's one more. What was it? Maybe it's in this upcoming act. I don't know. PB, you're so kind to me. You say all the nicest things. It's because I love you. Okay, um, here is act four of The Upward Spiral, and stay tuned for after the episode we have an exclusive interview with extreme frisbee aficionado <laughs> ultimate frisbee extreme frisbee ultimate frisbee pro and nice guy dr alex cole the author of the book yay we interviewed him depressed ladies has anyone seen my unicorns the, the tumbling ones do you remember those um porcelain unicorns oh uh, yeah i do the three of them it's three little porcelain Tum- tumbling, unicorns. tumbling unicorns i bought them by having my dad write a check and putting it in an envelope with a little piece of paper i'd cut out from the circular mm-hmm. came in the sunday paper and i mailed it away yeah and then six to eight weeks later mm-hmm. three little porcelain tumbling unicorns came in the mail and i had them there's three of them and they're on my bookcase why mm-hmm. why do you ask about them how old were we um nine or ten yeah around that time you and i had a, another one of those knockdown drag out kind of things where i just felt so powerless to do anything and i think we were all in the dining room and I got up and excused myself went to the bathroom and took my little hand and just swiped all those unicorns (laughs) they're on your dresser and they went fucking flying and shattered but I didn't notice for a while (laughs) are you actually crying no I didn't notice Uh until one day I did and I asked you about the unicorns and what did you say ghosts yeah. <laughs> you didn't own up to breaking my unicorn. For some reason, I, th- I thought I could get away with it. You were so angry with me that you broke my unicorn. All of, all of them. I'm sure they're in this house somewhere. <laughs> Facing your fears. At heart, unhelpful habits are about avoidance Instagram. We don't like how we feel Instagram, so we try to avoid feelings or take action to change the way we feel. Post on Facebook about something that all your friends will agree with and nothing will get done. And There's a Mad Libs it. in here, coping habits word game. And it says, when blank event or sensation makes me feel like, so I'm just going to fill in the blanks, okay? Okay. When doing nothing makes me feel like or think about doing social media, I will accept those thoughts and feelings and I will read a book, question mark. That's the helpful oh, habit. that's good. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know. Did, did you write, actually write that down? I did, okay. yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, is there anything to do besides social media? I don't know. There is, right? Like, look your children in the eye <laughs> and respond to them. How will you reward yourself, by the way? Because it says reward yourself. Some of his suggestions. Tell yourself you did a good job. Treat yourself to a small snack. Relax for 15 minutes. Give yourself a check mark 
or gold star. Eat a piece of candy, take a deep breath, smile, call a friend, and tell them what you did. These are all so beautifully simple. Yeah. They make me they make me happy. And they work. There's a, a section on eating that we won't get into, but you know all this stuff, but it's really nice to have it just written down one more time. And did you know that bacteria in your gut can change your mood? So there's many, many reasons. Feeling good is on several levels. Yeah. You know, I just read actually that um in Alzheimer's brains, there's bad gum bacteria that works its way into your brain and assists with the Alzheimer's. So there really is a connection between... Bad gum? Yeah. Gum. Oh, oh, gum. Yes. That's why you're supposed to floss. Yeah. Gum bacteria. So... Yes. There is a very strong connection between what is in your body and what is in your head. Yes. Hey, do you want to go back to facing fears real quick? Because yeah. I think that's another reason that we're having a little, little troubles. We're, we're not doing lucha anymore, which was constantly facing your fears. It was, am I going to get hurt? Am I going to do this move right? Are people going to clap? Am I going to break my neck? You know, like all these different things. Is my skirt going to fall off or whatever? Mm-hmm. We don't have that anymore. Do you know what the last fear I faced was? Being killed in the prime of your life by a, a germ? <laughs> <laughs> by an aerosolized yes <laughs> germ that went in my mouth <laughs> from a person who doesn't give an f about me for an asshole who, who wears his mask under his nose um well besides that it was phone banking <laughs> okay <laughs> that's I just as deadly it is all right <laughs> but that's great that you phone banked and i didn't do it well and that's i that's okay we'll probably go back to sending out postcards which is what i sent like a hundred postcards all over the country saying please vote good for you thanks I'm sorry that Trump didn't win. What? Next time you should try harder. <laughs> um, That little voice in your head. Oh, I read something once. I can't even tell you who he was aside from a famous opera singer who before every performance, he would go, I am big me. Big me is telling little me to shut up. <gasps> Basically. Love it. There's the big me and the little me and the little me is just a, a real jerk. It does help to separate those things and also to think of it in terms of like, would you berate a friend the way you berate yourself over things like uh, you said something wacky or you, you know did a social faux pas some people would they would berate a friend for that yeah stay away from those people i've had friends like that yuck who people who felt bad about themselves and wanted me to feel bad about myself yeah well fuck those people Alrighty. The gratitude and compassion spiral is chapter 10. The ancient Greeks understood that it is not our circumstances that create happiness, but our thinking about our circumstances. That's great news because while reality is often hard to change, your perception of reality is much more malleable. When I was in that uh, weird like breakup period that didn't end up being the final breakup with uh, the boyfriend I had before my husband, and I was just like, I, oof, I just couldn't do anything with myself. I was so sad. All I was doing was waiting by the phone that was connected to a wall. Mm-hmm. I did have Weird. a... Weird. I know. I had a cell phone, but it was it weighed seven pounds. Um, you and me and Lauren, the opera singer who sings the opening song, mm-hmm. went to go see Run, Lola Run, and I took that movie very literally. In Run, Lola Run, do you remember? Yeah. There's three different scenarios. Mm-hmm. She needs money, whatever. She goes through the first scenario, things don't work out well. She goes through the second scenario, things work out even worse. She goes through the third scenario and things work out wonderfully. And I thought, you know what? Fuck this. I'm not doing the second scenario. I'm doing the third scenario. I'm, I'm going to change my circumstances. I did change a lot of how I thought about what I was doing and I got real happy. And yes, we did eventually break up for real, but we did get back together again for a while under more favorable terms for me because I decided, nope, I'm not doing this. I got to be happy um, I gotta be happy. <laughs> Period. <laughs> anyway, you really just had to stop. I had to stop. Invincible summer? Oh, yeah. Positive memories can carry us through difficult times. Thinking of happy memories activates production of serotonin in the anterior cingulate cortex. Do you have any invincible summer memories, Barbara, that you can go to when you're feeling low? I do. I have, um, speaking of Lauren, we were in Berlin where she lives and has a wonderful catering service. (laughs) And dog. Yes. A dog named Ugo and a catering service called Fraulein Kimchi. We were lying by a lake in, um, I don't remember where, but I love lakes. I think I've mentioned that Toluca Lake is, you know, the weather was perfect. It was, there was grass, not sand, you know, and there were trees mm. and there were naked Germans rolling around and we did not take off our clothes, but we had this little secluded place and it was just, everything about it was perfect. And so when I'm doing EMDR, which is the form of therapy that I'm real excited about, which and has helped me with trauma, it's for PTSD. And it's also an industrial band. EMDR, EMDR, <laughs> doing it again. And EMDR, <laughs> doing it again. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that's the place I pick. You pick a place. And you have a place, too? I have a bunch of little memories. I wrote down a whole bunch. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, so I'm going to say I have a bunch. Oh, boy. Why are you laughing? Because one of them just happened yesterday when I had those pens on my lip. <laughs> I was doing a stupid thing with pens on my lip, and I said, Barbara, look at this with the pens on my lip. And wait, hold on, wait, wait, wait. What you said was <laughs> we were both reading, taking reading notes this book. in this book, yeah. sitting together quietly. Serious. Very serious. Doing our work. And I hear this little voice that goes, what do you think of this? And I look up, and she's just sitting there with her lip squeezed between two pens. <laughs> It's as stupid as it sounds. Yes. <laughs> and you said, hold on, let me see. I don't have my glasses on. And then you got up and you got a magnifying glass <laughs> that had a light on it. And you held it up real close. Even though we're supposed to be six feet away, you held it up real close. And then you just said, extraordinary. <laughs> <laughs> and we weren't even drinking. It was awesome. <laughs> well, I have a memory of driving around the Hollywood Hills with Tammy, one, or my friend Tammy. Oh, yeah. Just during on our lunch hour. And she, Tammy likes to break the rules. So we would go on streets that we weren't supposed to go on. Because there's a lot. Yeah. Watching surfers at sunset with my family on Oahu. We did that last, last year. Oh, that's a real feeling place. Another place memory I have is in Ireland. I love Iris Murdoch and I'd read The Sea, The Sea. And she describes this guy living on a craggy cliff. And so I need, I really needed to travel by myself and meet up with some friends here and there but I want I want really wanted to go to a house on a craggy cliff and I didn't find a house on a craggy cliff but I found a, this house in in the part of Ireland I love and then I found this pier and then I went and climbed up onto this craggy cliff and stared down into this sloshing you know water and I had the thought of I did not have the thought of jumping in at all, but I did have the thought of how valuable and wonderful my life is that I don't want to jump into this thing because if I even slipped and fell into it or whatever, no one would ever see me again. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> You're not allowed to travel by yourself anymore. <laughs> no, but, but realizing just how much I did not want to jump into that. That is really sweet. <laughs> I was You're having like, a, I, am, I am not suicidal. <laughs> wow. I was having a very hard time. Okay, um, so then there's a gratitude section. Expressing to other people how much you appreciate them can have a positive impact on their lives, but interestingly, it can also have a positive impact on you, your life, and your brain. Understanding the perspective of other people and to act compassionately. I think gratitude is one of the most important things that you can do. That's, my, that's from my own personal researches. Because if you're thinking about what you don't have, you have more of what you don't have. Just by doing that? That's the way it's worked out for me. You cannot feel lack and gratitude at the same time. Mm. Like with a wing-wing, where like you can't pee and then sperms come out at the same time. Yeah, so if you can't remember that it's good to be grateful, then think of someone trying to pee and ejaculate <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yeah, just do that. Just do that. That's a visual for you. <laughs> All right. Well, so. okay. I mean, yes, your brain is being used for something other than thinking sad thoughts. When you think good thoughts, you're not thinking sad thoughts, right? I can personally easily think about something happy and go right into something negative. Yeah. If you're feeling grateful, there's really nothing else you can feel. I like it. Barbara, and, uh, I'm what? very gratitude that you're here, my twin. I'm very gratitude that you're my twin. Continuing spiral. Continuing spiral. The journey continues. Or we did talk a little bit about therapy and also medication or two other things. That's covered a little bit more in the regular book, not the workbook, but those are also two things to do. But you should read both of these books because there's so much more information that we didn't get to, as, yeah. I, as I just demonstrated. Yeah, they're great books. We recommend them highly. And uh, yeah, not relationship books. Relationship with you book. Have you ever been to you? Yeah. How long have you been together with yourself? Your whole life. So, are you guys um, happy together? Do you put the you in abusive? Abuse? There's lots of things you can do that, that are self-harmy. Totally. Yeah. And I think we're all across the board, the entire world, feeling something awful right now. I just want to say, if you're not feeling awful, there's something <laughs> wrong with you. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with you that you don't feel terrible? <laughs> all right. Well, this has been a really lovely experience to be sitting with you. And now we're going to watch a movie. We're going to put links to both these books and a bunch of other little tidbits that we talked about on our website. You can go to com, and then you can also contact us if you'd like. Yes, yeah, so we have several ways. We have email, we have a P.O. box. Look, there's two different versions of the address. One of them looks like it's a home. It's not a home, and I said specifically, we cannot live in a rectangle. Okay, so do not try and visit us at our P.O. box, because we're not there. <laughs> All right. Um, we you actually can reach out to us via giving us ratings on... Yes, on iPod, Apple Tunes, because we're not doing any type of other support right now. No Patreon for the moment. Mm -hmm. So 
we would really appreciate a little write-up from you. Or if you want to just do stars, that's fine. But if you want to do an actual write-up, we would love that. And you know what? We would love to read that on our next podcast and say thank you to you. So please, it takes five minutes. Just say those ladies are hilarious and brighten my day or whatever you want to say. It'd be really helpful to us. Yes. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. And I was reading, they used to dance in the um, Lucha Vavum. Yeah, We're wrestlers. Yeah. Are you wrestlers? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But I remember going to see, I saw Lucha Vavum, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. I was like, oh, that's an oh. interesting coincidence. Wow, you might have seen us wrestle. It's possible because yeah. we were still wrestling back then. How'd you end up there? I don't remember. Good. But Good. I think Good it night, had then. something to do with... Uh, <laughs> Ultimate Frisbee, because I play a lot of Ultimate Frisbee. So I'm sure someone in the community was like, oh, I heard about this awesome show. Like, we should go check it out. So that's how I usually get into exciting things. Is there a lot of crossover between wrestling and Ultimate Frisbee? I don't think there is. I mean, interestingly, Ultimate Frisbee, as it relates to, like, contact, isn't that ultimate. Because it's like, you're not even allowed to, like, push against each other. So, like, wouldn't cross over well. I see. Okay. I have to admit, I don't know how Ultimate Frisbee works it was actually it was invented by a bunch of hippie high school students in 1969 as sort of an anti-sport they like kind of invented it ironically to make fun of how you know athletes were so serious about their sports and they were like oh let's play a sport with a frisbee because obviously that would be absurd So, but then the joke was on them because then people did start taking it seriously. (laughs) You know, there's club championships in the 80s and they started the college national championships, I think in 84. And now it's played at hundreds of colleges and probably thousands of high schools and people weightlift and do track workouts. And I'm happy to talk as much about (laughs) my frisbee as you as you want, as you can see. Not to bring it back to the book. I would think that those would give you, it's the social spiral happening, mm -hmm. right? And the exercise spiral aspect and sort of also a goals spiral aspect because doing things with other people and, you know, collaborating and working together and teamwork, that can be really motivating. Connecting with other people over some shared experience has a, a huge impact on your well-being because it changes so many key brain circuits it's way more fun feel like you're competing against someone else that it just you know makes it more immediate and engaging and that can be you know beneficial sometimes like because it's actually more stressful to compete against other people so one of the first things that you say in your webinar you talk about a question you often get is is stress good or bad and your answer was yes and no right mm-hmm. And then you related that to flirting, since this is a dating podcast. Oh, did you know that this is a dating podcast? I assumed it was a dating (laughs) podcast from the dating lady's name. We're nervous, by the way, because we read your books. We're fans of you. So. Wow. Awesome. That's a good nervous, though. Yes. It's good to be nervous. It means that you care. That's that's, that's an true. excitement because we have something to lose if we really screw this up. Is that? Yeah. Accurate? I mean, you only have a perceived loss because we have the, you know, we sort of have this ingrained sense of like social accomplishment and like it feels good to be accepted and appreciated by someone and it feels bad to experience social rejection. And that's because like one, the oxytocin system reduce it when we feel close and connected and understood by someone it reduces stress it reduces pain it also can modulate the, the dopamine system to make it more rewarding and enjoyable to interact with that person and even like when we receive social approval like there's fMRI studies where like when someone you know does something good and you just put up a little smiley face that activates the same reward regions of the brain as like winning money so it feels good to get that positive social feedback. Does, um, does that uh, explain but, why social media is so incredibly important to so many people? Yes. Uh, it also shows like one of the problems with social media is that that positive social feedback, as I said, activates the same brain region as like winning money or like doing drugs or a lot of things that, you know, can be addictive and one of the problems with social media is like well you get likes you have a number of followers and so there's this very sort of quantized uh way that we receive 
feedback that's kind of unnatural. And so like we get a little boost of dopamine when you, you know, you gain more followers, when you get more likes, and then you start can start using social media simply to get that boost of dopamine. Whereas normally you would interact with people. Yes, you get a boost of dopamine, but like you also have that deeper sense of connection that comes with the oxytocin. And it's just that that part, that sense of like closeness, that's much harder to quantify. And so it's sometimes harder to pay attention to than more specific things like, you know, likes or followers on the same lines in order to really connect with someone, you have to be vulnerable. Like you have to be open to the possibility that you might be rejected. And if you don't have that vulnerability, then it's hard to really get true connection. But that vulnerability is stressful. And so a lot of people are like, oh, well, like, why would I have this like uncomfortable real life interaction with like vulnerability and whatever, when I could just like make a clever tweet and then I get 10 likes and I get this boost of dopamine and there's an answer to that. It's like, well, yeah. Why would you make friends with people when you can just like do drugs? Okay. Well, <laughs> because if you just go the drug route, then it can end up in a downward spiral. Uh, although some people, you know, choose that route, or maybe you can find the the correct balance. But um, that's sort of like one of the problems with social media is that it, it sort of hijacks our social circuitry, which evolved like in certain ways and kind of, gets us to to do things that are not necessarily in our long-term best interest. I have a question related to that. I would think that people are accomplishing less in real life as well. I don't know if there have been any studies on that, but the same feeling you could get from finishing a paper if you're a student or, uh, you know, whatever it is that you do for a living or creatively, whatever drives you, you can get those. Yeah, no, I, mean, I don't know if there is research on that specifically, if people are accomplishing less, but like, to accomplish something and really feel a deep sense of satisfaction, you have to choose a goal that is difficult because like things that are super easy, like, hey, can you go turn on the light switch? Like, yes, I have zero doubt that I could do that. And therefore, if I do that, it's not as satisfying. The goals that are like really satisfying are the ones that I'm, I'm not sure I can do. And maybe if I like really focus and give my best and like, then I can do it. And that's when it's most uh, satisfying and rewarding. But goals that like have those big consequences that are like potentially uncertain because I'm not really sure if I can do them, those are also the most stressful. And if uh, I am already feeling so stressed out because, you know, there's a global pandemic or there's political unrest or, you know, whatever other BS is, was in your life already just because life can be stressful. If you're feeling overwhelmed by that, then it's harder to sometimes motivate the energy to overcome the stress of that important long-term goal. And it's easier to just focus on some short-term boost that you can get. And that's why, People can turn to drugs or alcohol or perhaps to just, you know, eating a cookie or just like going on social media to distract themselves and they get that little sort of immediate boost of reward. And there's nothing actually wrong with that inherently because you don't always have to spend your whole life focused on like big, stressful, long-term goals. It's fine to sometimes just be stressed out and eat a cookie. The only problem comes when you only do that thing in response to stress. And then like procrastinating is a good example. Like I have this big important goal that I want and I'm just feeling so stressed out that I go on Facebook or I watch Netflix. And then, you know, half an hour later, I'm like, okay, I could go back to working on that thing. Oh, but that stresses me out. Uh, oh, let me just watch another episode. And now, you know, two hours have gone by and I'm like, Oh, I, I wasted so much time. That was so stupid. Okay, uh, whatever. I'll do it tomorrow. And like in the moment, it's almost always easier to to choose. Well, it's easier to choose the thing and more enjoyable to choose the thing that gives you the immediate little boost of dopamine. But if you never overcome that to like focus, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna buckle down and overcome this stress to like really focus and get some work done on this important goal, then you're going to keep pushing those goals off and you're going to get more and more stressed out because you're like, I'm not accomplishing the things I want to. And because you're more stressed out, you're going to want to take those immediate 
short-term breaks. And over time, the more you do that, the more it becomes ingrained as a habit, and then it becomes even harder to overcome. Well, I think that's one of the reasons I love your book so much is because small changes is is something you talk about quite a bit. And you also talk about choosing goals that are achievable, right? There's one little tidbit about putting uh, ice water on your wrist. No, it's face on your face. face, face, Cold water on your face. To calm the vagus nerve. Is that right? I think that's actually a trigeminal nerve to the vagus nerve. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. You got a lot of nerve asking that question. (laughs) That's something called the mammalian diving reflex. What happens is if you splash cold water on your face, it triggers the nerves in your face in a particular way. And that's the trigeminal nerve. And that senses the splash of cold water in your face. And that communicates to this other nerve, cranial nerve called the vagus nerve, which uh, even though it starts in the brain, it, it sort of wanders throughout your body going to all your various different organs. And one of the primary things that the vag- vagus nerve does is it, it slows down your heart rate, sort of activates your calming reflex, lowers your heart rate, lowers your breathing. That That's obviously not going to solve all of your problems. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, it's not going to get more work done for you. It's not going to help you do a better job at public speaking or, you know, whatever is stressing you out. But a lot of times when we start to feel stressed, we inadvertently and unfortunately start to trigger a downward spiral, like reduce that stress a little bit in order to make another more helpful choice. So if you're feeling totally overwhelmed, you might want to go, oh my God, I just need to, I just need to walk away from my computers, go watch Netflix or eat binge, you know, uh, a gallon of ice cream or whatever. But maybe if you just splash some cold water in your face, then you can be like, okay, okay, let me just take a few more deep breaths. And a few deep breaths, like, okay, that's going to calm you down a little bit more. And then you say, okay, I'm just going to go for a run for 10 minutes and that'll help calm me down. And then I'm going to return to focus on, you know, working on this presentation. So I like, they think that the key element there is not relying on any one mm. thing to solve all of your problems. You don't need to splash cold water in your face. If you could just convince yourself to start working, do it. But if you're so overwhelmed that you need to do something else, okay, splashing cold water in your face is a really simple little tweak because you don't have to like change your thoughts, you know, that that are running away. Like it's just a physical, simple thing that you can do. Same with slow breathing, like simply slowing the rate of your breathing calms you down. Other simple actions you can take, like, you know, going for a walk or getting some exercise or going for a run. I think those are some of the most helpful things for dealing with stress in the immediate moment because they don't require some complex, you know, understanding of things. It's just sort of like a simple, straightforward thing you can do. If you can use those little things to get you back on track, then that's a really helpful way to utilize that for spiral. My favorite part of the book is learning these techniques that don't have to do with trying to get your brain to stop. The, the physical things that you can do that don't involve like the thought process, like exercise is one of my favorite ones. Oh, can I ask you a question uh, on that note? Why would someone yeah. dunk themselves in cold water? What does that do for you? Well, some of that is the um, the mammalian diving reflex to so just like they sort of have this immediate calming. Some of that is because it's painful and stressful, it immediately focuses your attention on the here and now. And that's something that a lot of us have trouble with because like anxiety kind of lives in, you know, focusing too much about all the terrible things that could go wrong in the future. And a lot of depression lives in like focusing on, you know, all the terrible mistakes that you've made in the past and the, you know, regret you feel and the shame or whatever. And we sort of feel that there's no space in the present. We sort of, our brains jump back and forth between all the terrible stuff that has happened that we can't change and all the terrible stuff that's about to happen uh, that we might not be able to do anything about. And focusing, however, on the immediate present right now is a very powerful tool. You can try to practice and cultivate that yourself through mindfulness, or you know, you can challenge yourself in ways that sort of force you to pay attention to the present, and then you you know stop getting so caught up in your head. And a lot of people, you know, find that very calming. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are probably other 
um, you know, other pathways. But as I said, like our real world actions generally affect us in many ways. It's like the, the mammalian diving reflex and this other, you know, mindfulness aspect, and there's probably something else, but yeah, that's uh, that can be a really powerful thing. If you can make it a habit, some people swear by, you know, taking a cold shower first thing in the morning. And so people, oh, okay, so should I, I need to take a cold shower. And uh, one of the reasons why I think that's helpful is because it's helpful to do anything sort of intentional early or one of the first things you do in the morning because it sort of sets the stage it sends the message to yourself i'm going to be living this day intentionally Mm -hmm. by you know taking action in a goal-directed way rather than just by whatever thought pops into my head by habit or impulse Mm -hmm. you know i do like two minutes of yoga or you know you can make your bed or you take a cold shower something where you get out and like, maybe this little thought, it's like, ah, maybe I'll just skip that today. And you're like, nope, <laughs> I'm going to do it. Don't pick something that's so, you know, stressful and difficult that it's too hard to overcome, you know, your own inertia or, you know, talk yourself into it um, or that you're actually causing yourself harm. It's just important to realize like, oh, why am I doing this? And what do I hope to get out of it? Again, it sort of comes down to what is it that I need at the moment like some days i realize oh no i've had a really hard day like it's okay that if i just like take it easy today i'm just gonna gonna eat a warm cinnamon roll but if you're gonna do eat a warm cinnamon roll do it intentionally and enjoy and savor it unfortunately a lot of people they're like i'm gonna take it easy and then they feel guilty about taking it easy And then you like you robbing yourself of that uh, that yeah. moment of savoring and enjoyment, and you're just you're you're stressing yourself out because now you feel guilty that you ate a cinnamon roll. It's like whatever you do, just like do it. And if you you're doing it because you need to be comforted, then don't get mad at yourself that you need to be comforted. Rejoice in the fact that oh, I have this delicious cinnamon roll. I'm so glad that it can comfort me. Nicely put. I think we can all have cinnamon rolls and feel good about them, right? Yeah. I wish this stuff was taught to us when we were young, these concepts, because we don't even know how to use our own bodies to, I mean, the example of being the water in the face again. In movies, you see, you know, snap out of it, you know, you get water in the face. I thought that was just a trope, honestly. You know, I had no idea. And this stuff would be so helpful as a young yeah. person to or know what you can do. Breathe into a, into a paper bag. That's actually a real thing too. Yeah. Like if you're hyperventilating, Uh one of the reasons why that's a problematic downward spiral is because like you're a little bit anxious. You start breathing faster. If you breathe too fast, you get too much oxygen and that can make your lips tingle. And then you're like, oh my God, like my lips are really good. I can't talk, you know, and like you stress yourself out more and then you start breathing faster. And like by breathing into a paper bag, you disrupt that cycle. You start feeling a little bit calmer because you've you've stopped making yourself feel worse and that's a lot of times what what the upward spiral is is like okay don't necessarily worry about focus too much on like making yourself feel you know happier or less stressed but at least like figure out how you can stop making yourself feel worse is that the, the swirling in the glass analogy used oh these yeah are, these are right. deep, and deep from cuts the book about, yeah. right like <laughs> it, yeah <laughs> remembering that the, the if you're, you know, your water is swirling in your cup and you're like, oh, how do I stop this? You can try and swirl it the other way, but this is going to splash all over the place and you're going to do a bad job. Like what you really should just do is stop trying to fix it. Just like if you just leave the glass alone, the water will, uh, will still itself. A lot of times that's, that's more focused on this notion of like, well, you don't need to try and fix every little thing uh, because sometimes trying to fix every little thing, you just end up creating more problems. And sometimes the solution is like, oh, I, yep, this is a problem. Can't do anything about it. Okay. And that is a key element of the upward spiral that really in my, in the course, I try and emphasize more, which is you shouldn't always try to fix everything. You end up stressing yourself out by trying to fix every little problem in your life. So is it important or essential to learn that you can fix some problems? Yes. Is it possible to overuse that? Yes. And I think that's the hardest part to deal with because it's easier like when you're stressed to like take action or do, you know, focus on something and do this and follow this tip. And sometimes the hardest thing to do 
is nothing where you just say, but I'm feeling so anxious or I'm feeling so down. I, I can't stand this. And there's nothing I can do about it. And the only answer you can say to yourself is, yep, I'm feeling really anxious and there's nothing that I can do about it. And, and, and you should not, you shouldn't take that path every time because a lot of times there is something you can do about it. So you should spend an extra, you know, 30 seconds thinking, oh, should I go for a run? Should I, you know, eat a cookie or whatever? But like, if you never take the path of not trying to fix it, then you're just going to sort of be on this treadmill uh, where you're sort of pathologically trying to fix every little mm -hmm. thing um, that comes up. I, I bet to relate it back to dating a bit for people who are in quarantine and not able to make connections with other people. There's so much in this book, you know, that you have a lot of solutions that rely on social interaction, which we just can't are off the table right now. Mm -hmm. I would think a lot of people, myself included, are a bit in a holding pattern right now. I'm doing a lot of thinking about past relationships and there's but there's no practice there's i can't put anything into practice right. yeah so i mean there are some ways to utilize that social spiral now like for example i my friends were like hey we should play poker online and i realized like yes it was fun sort of the the adrenaline of gambling but also like we're on zoom while we're playing poker and like that i realized like oh that's sort of more important and energizing to me than the distraction of the game. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's easier to connect with someone when you're doing the same thing and then just sort of talking, you know, randomly as you're doing it. Mm -hmm. If the only way you're interacting with people is like, you know, hey, let's have a Zoom call and you're just staring at each other, it can sometimes make it feel less naturalistic because that's not the way you normally have conversations, staring <laughs> into each other's eyes in a forced way. And so there are games that you can play online or, you know, you can play, you know, Pictionary over Zoom and don't sort of force the social interaction. But, hey, we're having a social interaction right now. Also, one of the things like just because we have the technology to face time each other doesn't mean that you have to do that. It's actually it's very unnatural way of communicating, as I said, because you're staring at each other. But also, if we were actually talking face to face, when I looked at your eyes, you would you would look at my eyes and we'd make eye contact. That's not possible over Zoom. If I'm looking at your face, then it kind of looks to you like I'm, you know, looking off to the side somewhere. We don't get the empathy and the connection in the same way. And yet the human voice is very powerful to help us feel the connection. So just have a phone call and you could go for a walk while you have a phone call and they could go for a walk while they're talking to you. So you're both walking and you're talking together and it feels like, okay, you know, it'll feel more like you're doing something together. That's one way that's, or, you know, a few ways that are more helpful than just, you know, ruminating all overall yeah. that past relationship mistakes that you've made. <laughs> Great. I hadn't thought about talking on the phone because that's just something we don't do anymore. We text. Yeah, I know. And like texting, like there's a really interesting thing about technology is that like technology isn't good or bad. It just makes certain things easier and other things like less likely. So texting is awesome because it's so easy to do informally. Like you just have a thought. And so since it's such a simple medium, just you just reach out and connect and you get a little boost of connection. That's however, not going to solve all of your problems. So if you're trying to text about all of your relationships and all of your communication needs, it's going to be harder to actually form like a deeper connection with someone. And it's much easier to sort of strike the right balance when you're talking to someone because you have the tools of like pace of your speech and tone of voice. There's nothing inherently good or bad about text. It's just use it for what it's good for and use other technologies for what they are good for. Would that be intentional on how you communicate? Yeah, I mean, some of it would be being mindful of the impacts of different technologies on you and being aware of like your actual motivations for doing things. Because sometimes we reach out to a friend because we're genuinely interested in what's going on with them. But sometimes we reach out to a friend because like we, we really want them to be interested in us. Mm. Uh, and oftentimes it's both. And a lot of times we get dissatisfied with our actions, our approaches, when we tell ourselves that we're doing something for one reason, <laughs> but you're actually doing it 
for a different reason. And so like, if you're, you're trying to connect with someone, but you're telling yourself, Oh, I just, I'm just going to, you know, text them this funny meme or whatever. And then they don't respond. If you, if it feels unsatisfying, then it suggests that the reason that you were telling yourself that you were doing it wasn't actually correct. Like if, if all you really wanted to do was share some funny meme with them because you thought they would think it's funny, you would share it and that's all you would need. But like, ah, but if what you need is like a, a connection and you want them to respond and whatever, like, oh, then maybe what you need is a conversation. And so if you don't find text messaging satisfying or you don't find social media satisfying for everything, be aware of that and recognize, oh, that's fine. Like I need these other things learn to be flexible and realize that you are you're a complex being with multiple needs and you're going to get it wrong sometimes because you don't come with an instruction manual no one taught you perfectly how to interpret all the signals that are coming from your body and exactly what you need so if you try something and it doesn't work don't get mad at yourself or critical so you tried it okay then try something like and it's like doing an experiment like oh you tried it and the the result that you learned is that wasn't the answer. Great. So now you can try something else. But a lot of times what we do is like, we have this sense that I should know exactly everything that I need to do to be happy. And if I get it wrong, then I'm stupid and a moron. And I'm, I would say that's the one unfortunate side effect that some people take from my book is that they think that they should be able to control everything about them. They're like, oh, this is an instruction manual that tells me everything I need to know about myself. And the truth is like, no, it's, it's sort of like a, a guide that says like, here are the things that are helpful for you to try because this is what science has shown tends to work for people in different ways. But the exact specific idea of like, well, what's going to work best for me at this specific moment in time? Nobody can tell you. You just have to experiment with that and figure it out for yourself. And the, the more open you are with yourself and the more compassionate, the easier it is to come to a better understanding of yourself so that it will be easier in the future to actually understand, you know, what your needs are and be able to give yourself the things mm -hmm. that will actually make you happy. I think that's such a great thing to keep in mind, like for dating and stuff like that as well. Like the fact is that you're not maybe a bad person. You just in th this particular science experiment did not work. Right. I remember there was this like the month before I met my wife, there was this uh, girl who I had this perfect meet cute moment with. Like I was moving into a new uh, apartment and I had my car, I was borrowing my parents SUV and I had their the trunk open the whole time I was unloading stuff. And like, when I finally got back to it, the car battery had died <laughs> and it was like in an alley at like 10 o'clock at night. And I was like, oh, I, I don't know what to do. And I saw there was like a light on in the laundry room of the, the building across the alley. And I knock on the window and this like gorgeous blonde, like <laughs> turns around and she like, and she's like, Oh, can I help you? And I was like, Oh, my car battery died. And she's like, Oh, I have, I have jumper cables in my car. I'll go get them. And I was like, oh yeah, I know how to use <laughs> jumper cable. And so like, it was like this perfect thing. And like, I got her phone number and I like texted her a couple days later. And she was like, oh, you know, I was like, hey, do you want to go out on Tuesday or something? And she was like, oh, I'm, I'm busy with my boyfriend that night or something. Oh. And I was like, oh, it was so stupid. <laughs> and then my friend, he was a little crazy. He was like, oh, you should just text her. Oh, that's okay. You can just dump him on, you know, on Tuesday and we can go out on Wednesday. <laughs> And I was like, I can't text her that. And he's like, miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Like, nothing's going to happen. And I texted her that, and she got really pissed off. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't mean to. And then I was, like, upset with myself. I was, I was so stupid for thinking that it could have gone some, you know, for getting my hopes up so early. And then I was so stupid for, like, texting her that. And my friend was like, you tried. Like, mm -hmm. you, you could have been smarter and not <laughs> gotten excited but then you maybe not have taken the the risk right. and getting excited and and taking a risk and then having it not work out and be painful as a result like well that's life and a lot of times we want to avoid that pain and so we don't allow ourselves to get excited we don't allow ourselves to take risks and great you live this like much safer emotionally existence but you're not actually moving towards the goals that are really important to you, mm -hmm. which is I want to find someone and, you know, be in love with them. And so 
taking those risks, that's the only way you're actually going to get where you're trying to go. So if it feels painful in the moment when you tried and you failed, you know, and it didn't work out with that specific person, like the fact that you are disappointed shows that like, oh, this is something that's important to you. Mm. So it feels painful in the moment, but you should just remind yourself like, ah, that momentary pain reminds me that this is overall an important goal that I'm trying to achieve. And I'm willing to experience that momentary pain uh, in order to keep going. But being critical of yourself is only going to exacerbate that pain and actually prevent you from taking those necessary risks. And so treating yourself a little bit of compassion and kindness so that you can experience that pain and yet still manage to keep your heart, you know, soft Mm -hmm. and open so that you can keep going forward. Well, congratulations on your um, intentional choice of telling her to dump her boyfriend. I'm sorry, it didn't work out. It sounds like you're doing great now. You have two toddlers. Yes, exactly. Right, and then I met my wife like a month (laughs) month later, and yeah, now uh, we have two kids, and it's a it's a fairy tale ending. Right. I mean, I I realize when you have a setback and a heartbroken, you're like, ah, my fairy tale is broken. But like, the story's not over. You don't know how it ends yet. So you don't know. Like it feels like, oh, this is the heart. This is the end of the story. Everything is terrible. It's like, oh, well, stop telling yourself that <laughs> because <laughs> you're making yourself miserable. And you just notice, oh, maybe this is just the heartbreak because this is the, the dark part of the story before uh-huh. I Aww. find the one. That's a much more interesting story. I would want to watch that movie. You know? I agree. <laughs> Final question. Vera emailed you on New Year's Eve. Is that right? A couple days before, but you responded on New Year's Eve. At 1030 at night. And we we're just wondering what you were up to. <laughs> uh, I was not up to anything because I have a, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I guess now I have a four-year-old. And, you know, wasn't going anywhere because it's, you know, a pandemic. And, mm-hmm. like, okay. it's the same as any other night. I have triplets. I have four-year-old triplets. Oh. And she's got a seven-year-old. We were lighting a fire in the backyard at that time, so. Impressive. (laughs) There there are many options. We had a countdown, I think, at like, you know, 7 p.m. before the two-year-old went. Because like, oh, well, it's, you know, midnight somewhere in Nova Scotia or something. Like, you know, what do they know? Let's just count down. She suggested that, that we have a fake, uh, fake midnight. My kids didn't make it to midnight, but we tried really hard. Yeah. But and and we're very excited to get your text. Yes. In the midst yes. of it all. Yes. Or your your email in the midst of it all. It started our, our year off just right. So yeah. thank you so well, much for doing this. The text would have been too forward. It would have been implied <laughs> right. that you weren't doing something exciting. An email was just, you know, sliding in the background like, Oh no, don't want to bother you, I'm just letting you know. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. We don't yeah. want to keep you from chess. Yes, um, well, we, thank you. We love your books very much, and we're thrilled to talk to you. You're welcome. Thanks for having <laughs> me. It was great talking with you. Spectacular, spectacular interview with Dr. Alex Korb. I was very thrilled to find that the girls had finally included another voice that wasn't just theirs as part of the podcast. Alex Korb, uh, his book is for sale at every place except Amazon. So don't go to Amazon. Just kidding. They are available on Evil Amazon. The Upward Spiral and the Upward Spiral Workbook. I hear it is fully stocked at mm, Harriet's Bookshop for one, Moon Palace Books for two. Go check it out. Also, you have till February 14th to check out for free The Mortified Guide to Family, which is on Netflix. It is being yanked on Valentine's Day. So why don't you go and check it out? I believe there are six episodes with various adults reading from their diaries. And it is uh, one of the funniest things, most uplifting experiences you can have on Netflix. And uh, the Duffy Twins are featured in, I believe it's episode two, The Mortified Guide to Family, reading from their high school diaries. And there's a bit of documentary footage too, where one of them cries like a baby. 
And if you happen to miss it, I believe you can also buy that episode on Amazon Prime. But if you'd like it for free, Netflix before Valentine's Day, The Mortified Guide. What else? Well, we have gotten one five-star review in the last two months, and we are so grateful to whoever that person was who took the time. I know it is time-consuming. Wait, it's not time-consuming, is it? Actually, if you would like to give the Duffy Girls five stars for their podcast, you can do so while you're listening to this podcast. You can just uh, scroll up or down if you are on your phone, and you can see where there are five star outlines now you see that one at the end the one on the right you can push that with your finger push it with your finger and turn it into a solid star that is all the girls need from you at this time but if you would like to really help them out you can tap on those three little words they say write a review go ahead and tap on that right now and you're gonna see something come up this is write a review again there's a title the title could be i love this podcast the review is optional but you know what why don't we go ahead right now and write down with me you can write down I love this podcast because it makes me feel good. It is done really well. I'm excited for the next episodes. Just as I have been excited for every previous episode. Now you're gonna, after you're done with that there, you might want to look up to the right hand side and it says send and you can just hit that little button. And it will say sent thanks for your feedback. And then in a couple days, you can check back and you can see your brilliant words right there. Know that the Duffy Girls are so appreciative. And that maybe, just maybe, you've helped someone else find this podcast that gives you so much joy. There is enough to go around. Adios. Motherfucker.